When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Out of Bounds Show podcast. Presented by Independent Roofing Systems. If you want it done right the first time, visit Independent Roofing Systems today. The Out of Bounds Show is live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge in the Bank Plus studio. Check, check, check it out. Good morning, good morning. SEC Insider Hit brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance. Bundle your auto and home and save with your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent in any of the 82 counties in the state of Mississippi. We're live in the Bank Plus studio. Our guests join us on the Corona Premier Guest Line. We were were talking transfer portal and... Ole Miss is number one in the transfer portal. And this is going to be a fascinating case study on, you know, going all in and what is the right balance between the modern-day transfer portal that we're experiencing now and balancing high school slash JUCO signees. I mean, Lane Train and that crew has decided they're all in, and according to reports, they're not going to sign anybody else on Wednesday high school-wise. So right now, 40% of their signing class is from the transfer portal. So, like, what's the right balance? Is this model sustainable in the new modern world of college football and modern world of transfer portal? We welcome in Tom Luganville, who's headed up uh, ESPN's recruiting for well over a decade, national college football analyst. Luz joins us on the Out of Bounds show. So, Tom, this is going to be a a lot of fun to see how all this plays out. Um, Ole Miss is all in on the transfer portal. And if they, it looks like they've also landed the Georgia Tech edge rusher, which will put them over 40% of their class this year as transfer portal. We probably don't know yet, but what is your, what, what comes to mind as far as maybe the right balance on transfer portal and signing high school kids per class? 
Well, I think the first thing that you've got to examine is what is the eligibility remaining if you're going to go, you know, cast your line into the transfer portal lake. You know, you if you're going to go and you're going to sign 40% of your class out of the transfer portal, and I'm not just using old Miss as an example, this could be anybody, and, you know, all of a sudden those guys have two years or less remaining, then I think it can be very, very dangerous. It can be dangerous on two fronts. Number one, you're still running the risk. If the, the, the fewer years of eligibility that they have, the more you need them to be impactful players because you're not going to have them for very long. And then I think secondly, the other risk is that you start to scare off high school prospects who, if they're smart, really start examining the roster and seeing who you've brought in and realizing that there's always going to be this, this energy placed into the transfer portal to potentially replace me with an older player that's got limited years of eligibility left. So I think you've got to somehow weigh that. You've got to weigh the risk. And this is all risk management, right? I mean, you're, you're weighing um, temperament. You're weighing character. You're weighing experience, youth. Um, maybe the guy had a problem in another place, and now you're saying, well, we're going to take him because we think we can fix him or he's going to fit in here. Now that's a really, really big risk. And I think lastly, and maybe this is probably the most important thing, is if you're going down that path, you have to be convinced and sure that the guy you're bringing in is better than what you have. And maybe not by a little, but by a lot. So if I look at a Jackson Dart and I look at right now, I look at Ole Miss and their roster, is Jackson Dart an upgrade? Yes. Do I think Luke Altmaier is going to be a really good player one day? Absolutely, I do. I uh, loved him coming out of high school. But right now, that's an upgrade. So it makes sense. So when I hear, and you and I have talked about this, particularly as it relates to Clemson, is if, if you're going to be in the transfer portal market, priority number one is to improve your roster, hopefully in two areas, not just talent, but also in depth. If you can't do that through the transfer portal, then you're better off building through the high school ranks with three or four or five-year guys. Tom Luganville on the Out of Bounds Show. All right, so you you did a deep dive in the dark, and it was really good. Um, I don't, We don't have to go that far, but just give me, so that we can do it again, give me 30 seconds on what Ole Miss is getting with Jackson Dart. Uh, I like to either call him a gunslinger or a riverboat gambler. He's just one of those guys that's going to go pick up the ball, go, in, go out to the street and start throwing it around uh, and, and ripping it. He kind of plays – I don't want to say he plays with a reckless abandon. It's a, controlled, it's a controlled risk management with him because he has a little bit of that Brett Favre where I, I can make every throw. I know I shouldn't do this, but I, I'm going to get away with it eight out of ten times. So I'm going to do it. You know, that type of mentality, which you love, but you got to temper it just a little bit at times too. But I mean, listen, you're talking about a guy, all right, that threw 63 touchdowns in a season as a high school player. And remember, I've, I've mentioned this to you before. He was very, very fortunate because he is nowhere near in the position he's in right now if during the pandemic the state of Utah had decided not to play high school football his senior year because he was a – marginally viewed, intriguing prospect going into his senior year that had some group of five interest. I know Arizona State at that time was one of the few power five schools that had offered him. And 
all of a sudden he plays his senior year and he blows up. And if that doesn't happen, he's not around. So I, I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, I think I said this last time we discussed him is, you know, everybody's focusing on Caleb Williams, but I kind of really felt like the, the guy that, that's going to win the sweepstakes is going to be whoever gets Jackson Dart. So you feel like Ole Miss won the sweepstakes? I do, yeah. That's just that's just my feeling on it. I, I just think that guy's got a chance to be really, really good. And what are they getting with Michael Trigg, tied in also from Southern Cal? Luke? Yeah, I, I think he's kind of a tweener. Uh, tweener, flex guy, inline guy. Um, good player, athletic player. Uh, but I, I, you know, again, I'm not all that familiar right now with the current tight end position with, with Ole Miss, so how much of an upgrade is he? I'd probably be irresponsible in making that assessment right now. Uh, but I think they're getting a good player. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm sitting here saying, oh, okay, they're going to get a, an, an O.J. Howard or, you know, somebody that just absolutely, an Eric Ebron, somebody that just transforms your offense. Okay. What about uh, Zach Evans running back from TCU, who was a five-star, yeah. kind of ran into some issues, was semi-productive, under Gary Patterson's last little tenure, uh, and he has signed with Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss lost Ely, Connor, and Henry Parrish. So this is a kid that I've actually been really, really proud of. This is a kid that was so talented coming out of high school, and his conduct, and only his conduct, almost ruined his recruitment. He almost blew every opportunity, and in many cases he blew a lot of them and ended up at TCU as a result, and has really grown up. And, you know, I had the, the, the Texas TCU game this past fall. He's really, really talented, Bo, and I mean really talented. And uh, as an as-advertised guy from what he was coming out. Now, the problem is during his tenure at, at TCU, they're just not very good. Um, but when you go back and you watch him, he's, I mean, a lot of people talk about Bajon Robinson. A lot of people talk about, uh, Kenneth Walker and all these backs out there. Zach Evans is a dynamic football player, so I'm I'm excited to see what he does because he's a guy that almost threw it all away, and then the light kind of came on. And he, I was talking to Gary Patterson this past fall. I said, "Have there been any issues?" He goes, "Not one. He's been a great student. He's been a great kid. He's done everything we've asked him to do." And so, really neat to see him turn things around because he might be a guy that plays for a long, long time. Okay. Um, and th- don't you think this is going to be a fascinating case study for, I mean, it's not just Ole Miss, but this is what they're oh. one of our local schools. And so we're heavy into these four schools, Ole Miss, MSU, Bama, and LSU. Yeah. But don't you think it'll be a fascinating case study as far as over the next few years, as we're transitioning into a new modern world of college football and transfer portal on what is the right balance? There's no question because what's going to start happening is you're going to start to see when you, when you miss, how dramatic is the impact? When you hit, how dramatic is the impact? So, for example, um, Michigan State and Alabama last year, prime examples of when you hit on it, all right, it can just have this monumental impact in a positive manner in relationship to the season and and your program. And then we're going to start to see over the next couple of years, if you miss significantly, 
and I'm going to say this in regards to this portion of it, because I think this is where the danger comes in. There's a lot of talented players in the transfer portal, but there's also a lot of guys that are in the transfer portal and it has nothing to do with talent. So if you decide to just ignore that side of it and you bring in four or five different guys and they're a disgruntled type of personality or they're a locker room killer or they're a coach killer, you're, you're going to set your program back. And I think that's, it's going to be fascinating to see who does their homework on what type of guy you bring in, how many of them do you bring in. And here's the, really the ultimate, uh, I, I think, X factor in all of this is the extra year of eligibility is what is the big problem right now in college football. The transfer portal is a problem, all right? We've got to get it regulated. We've got to create some opportunities where it's okay to go into there and, it, and then other areas where, all right, you can't in, enter the transfer portal. But until we get past almost five classes of an extra year of eligibility, the scholarships are going to be screwed up. And how these coaches navigate what scholarships they think they have, even though they don't know their hard number, and where they decide to allocate them is going to be very, very interesting. Tom Luganville, National College Football Analyst with ESPN. He joins us on the Bucked Up Energy Drinks guest line. All right, let's switch gears, Tom. Can you t- what can you tell me about Jordan Mosley, wide receiver from, I'm sorry, Justin Robinson, wide receiver from Georgia, who transferred to Mississippi State, or, or can, so I was listening to a Georgia podcast, and they felt like he could have been, had he not gotten injured, a big piece of the puzzle for Georgia. What do you know about him? Yeah, so this is a kid that, you know, he's about six foot four, about 210 pounds. I mean, he's a, he is a big, big kid. Now, Back in 2019, he ran laser to laser, 4-7. All right, now that's like running hand time, 4-5-5. So for a guy his size, he can really, really run. Um, He's a 2019 kid out of that class. I I just think that he's got a chance uh, if he sticks and 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 he just settles it out and is patient, he could be a really, really good, big physical target. Okay, so you like him? Um, oh yeah, I like him a lot. Okay, and Marcus Banks, who transferred from Alabama to MSU, he's a corner, maybe safety. What do you know about him? Yeah, Marcus Banks is a guy that kind of played inside and outside, uh, both not only coming out, um, but when. When he got to Alabama, I think he kind of found himself in a position of not quite knowing where – this guy was recruited by everybody. Okay, when I say everybody, I'm talking about LSU, A&M, Auburn, Baylor, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, uh, Tennessee, everybody, nationally, USC, Ohio State, Nebraska. He's one of those guys that he played in, I think, 22, 23, 24 games while he was at Alabama, but could never quite – find that fit. Am I a corner? Am I a nickel? Am I a safety? We thought he was a corner coming out. Um, He's not very big. He was really tall, really long, waiting for us at camp at only 163 pounds. So he's got good height, 5'11", but just I don't know if he ever developed much more as far as physically when it comes to just the, I guess you could say the, the, the game in and game out, play in and play out, pounding. I think he's a guy that needs to live in the weight room if he's going to maximize what his 
obvious physical ability. Okay. Tom Luganville on the Out of Bounds Show. We'll switch gears again. Sean Payton, you've known him for a long time. Yeah. Going back to him working for your father. Um, late 80s, early 90s, San Diego State. He steps down. Kind of rocked. This is a huge hoot-at market, uh, Luke's, uh People yeah. have season tickets. We're two and a half hours from NOLA. So um, we've been to dozen, dozens of Saints games over the years. And so, what? first of all, when you met, when you first met and were around Sean Payton, did you see it then that he could ascend and eventually become the coach and guy that he did with the Saints the last 16 years? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, well, a couple of things happened with him. So, initially, he started off as a GA at San Diego State, went back to Miami of Ohio where he worked for Randy Walker, right, the late Randy Walker. And in those days, you could have what was called restricted earnings coaches. So, you had your full-time coach, you had your graduate assistant, and then you could have basically a part-time assistant. That wasn't a GA and he wasn't a full-time assistant. And Sean Payton kind of navigated those waters. And then when my father had an opening on his staff, it was actually to be the running backs coach, he ended up hiring Sean back in a full-time capacity. At that time, Marshall Falk was the running back. Um, so it's not, it's not as if Sean had to do a lot of coaching. <laughs> but he was a, he was a, uh, he's a quarterback guy. He was a great quarterback at, at Eastern Illinois. Um, in fact, Garoppolo uh, beat all, you know, broke all of his records, and uh, so did Tony Romo. Um, but he, he was a guy that then moved – when he moved out of the college ranks, he got hooked up with um, John Gruden. And when he got hooked up with John Gruden, he kind of took the John Gruden grind mentality and maybe took it too far to the point where – you know, he's burning himself out and was was working these hours to the point where I think it can it can become counterproductive. So I'll, I'll give you a, so I was the, when the XFL folded the first the first XFL, I was the quarterback's coach in Los Angeles. It folds. Um, Sean Payton is the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach for the Giants. I go do a. Um, a little brief seven-week kind of study um, for Sean Payton in a quality control role for the Giants in the summer of 2000 and, let's see, it would have been 2000, uh, 2000 yeah. So July, August, into the first weekend of the NFL regular season. And I can remember being in, like, the second or third week of camp. I mean, it's early. We haven't even prepped for a preseason game yet. And it is, like, 2.30 in the morning. All right, this is during like two days, like old school two days when you had two days. And Sean and I are in there and he's like grinding as if it was week eight on a Thursday night wow. in the regular season. And he's just a worker. He's a phenomenal worker. He knows the game inside and out. Um, and I asked him one time, I said, I said, at what point is it three o'clock in the morning on a Friday night? At what point do you say to yourself, you know what, the hay's in the barn. There's nothing that we're going to be able to do. If we don't know it by now, if we're not good enough by now. And he said, I've asked myself that question a thousand times, and I've never been able to do it. In a sense of, at some point, you got to walk away, right? Like, you got to you know, walk out of that office. You have to go home. 
You have to step away. You have to recharge the batteries. And there's some guys that can't do that. He's one of those guys that has a hard time doing that. He's a phenomenal worker. Yeah. Jeff Duncan wrote a book on Peyton and Breeze last year, and I read it. And he talked about the grind that Peyton embraced. And he basically said the same thing that you just said, Tom. He said, I know I know no other way. And um, Yeah, they're addicted to it. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what it is. I mean, some people are addicted to drugs or alcohol or women or gambling or what have you. Yeah. And then there's people that are addicted to football and they can't live without it. Yeah. Carmichael and Lombardi uh, were quoted in there who have been on the staff. Uh, Dan Campbell, all of them were quoted that, I mean, it's just one way you can either, you can either do it and figure it out. And, and it's not for everybody either. No, obviously. it is not uh, a guy. I think, it he, is not. I think he's a thousand times better than Gruden, but um uh, and you know what, Luke's? It'll be fascinating to see if he can. He, you know, his personality. He gets it on social media. I think he'll be great on TV. So many of these guys aren't. Um, and I mean, you know, Tony Dungy and Bill Cowher bore me to death, and you don't have to comment on that. But anyway, the point is, yeah. uh, I think Sean will be really, really good. We had Demario Davis on last week, linebacker for the Saints, and he said he thinks Sean will be great it, if if he can recharge him and come back. Cause yeah, you know, and make one more five or six year run. You know he's going to try to pair up with the with the QB. All right, Stafford and Burrow. Um, the first thing that you you think about with Burrow, knowing that you probably uh, evaluated him out of high school, going to Ohio State, or, or he definitely got on your radar when he transferred to LSU. Well, he was a back end ESPN three hundred guy for us. Um, coming out of high school. So we were more than aware of him. It was one of those situations where Urban Meyer kind of waited and waited and waited because I think he knew that at the end of the day, this was an in-state kid whose dream was to probably play at Ohio State, and he didn't have to pull the trigger early on him. I think he kind of played the game a little bit. And at the end of the day, it was a very talented Dwayne Haskins and a very talented Joe Burrow, and there's only one football. And, you know, I, I get that. I understand that. The thing that I appreciate about, about Joe Burrow is, and because, you know, I, I, I'm not anti-transfer portal, but I am anti the moment something goes wrong and the moment something doesn't go your way, you pick up your ball and you go home. And in many of the instances, this happens with kids before they've ever even been on a campus for more than a calendar year. That part bothers me. But this kid was involved in three or two quarterback competitions, okay? He redshirted. He ends up not winning the job late, and then he graduates, right? So he does everything that's asked of him, everything that's asked of him. And now the clock's starting to run out, right? So he's got two years of eligibility. He puts himself in the market, does his homework, goes to a place where you know they're going to have great players around him, right? So you give yourself a chance to be successful, Um because let's call it what it is. At the end of the day, if Joe Burrow had decided to transfer to Michigan State, is he the number one overall player in the, in the NFL draft? No. Probably not. Okay. So it's, I think he deserves a lot of credit for doing his homework in that regard. And then things obviously aligned, and we're starting to see that what the Cincinnati Bengals did as an organization and, and who they targeted, who they went after, um, and then obviously their decision to, to draft Jamar Chase completely changed the face of the organization because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Did you watch yesterday when they needed a play? He was going to one person. He was going to Jamar. When, when they were in the red area, yep. he was going to Jamar Chase. Now, when they were in the field, 
It was T. Higgins, T. Higgins. and a combination of Jamar Chase. But there's a confidence now because I think there's such a synergy between them that now Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow have this little shiny toy under the Christmas tree in Jamar Chase with this big, tall, lumbering guy in, in 85, T. Higgins, and we hope Uzama comes back for them because I think he's been a, 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 an unheralded factor at the tight end position. But you just kind of see that when a guy has talent, when he has moxie, when he's got all the goods, which I think Joe Burrow does, and then you have an organization or a coaching staff that starts to put the pieces around him and then do what he does, um, you've got a football team that two seasons ago had won two games, and now they're going to the Super Bowl. Unbelievable. Real, real quick, 10 seconds. Do you think T. Higgins, like A.J. Brown, should have been a first-round pick, Luke's? Yeah, but he wasn't because he's not a burner. Okay. That's the thing. I think if you were asked A.J. and, and, and T. to race, A.J. would win. Got and it. I think A.J. obviously is playing like a first-rounder. It looks like T. Higgins is, too. Man, that was fun. It's 23 minutes. Tom Luganville on the Corona Premier Guest Line. Thanks, Luke. Talk soon, buddy. All right, buddy. Man, that was fun. From Jackson Dart, Ole Miss, Mississippi State transfers. The whole how do you balance transfer portal and high school kids to uh, Sean Payton. And then uh, little Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. My Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. Incredible. Hour number three coming up on a Max Effort Monday. Brought to you by USA Palm and USAPalm.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.